Well, the assumption is uh, oftentimes when I mention my family is that they're with me. You know, I guess people often make the, that first assumption and then I have to explain myself. And then, of course, there is some awkward moment where people think, oh, are they separated or are they divorced or, you know, some some element. there. <laughs> so they think, oh, well, maybe maybe there's something there that I shouldn't be, you know, some alley that we shouldn't be walking down. Uh, but I have to reassure them, no, we're, you know, we're a functioning family. Welcome to Holding the Fort Abroad, the podcast created to support families facing the challenges of frequent basins travel and working away from home. My name is Rhoda Bangata, and today my guest is Michael Sullivan. Michael is all about building bridges. He has a memoir coming out soon actually called Building Bridges, Can We Love and Relate in a Polarized World? And he has a podcast asking, where are you from? And other ridiculous questions. So Michael and I met a couple of weeks ago when he reached out to invite me to his podcast. And it's probably one of the first times I actually share a little bit about my background. And while we were talking about that, I discovered that Michael is also living split location. So Michael, thank you so much for coming on my podcast and sharing with my listeners a little bit about what you are living with your wife in two different countries. Yeah. Um, thank you so much, Rhoda. And I, it's a pleasure to be on your podcast. Um, and I feel like we already know each other <laughs> quite well uh, because we've talked at great length. Um, and it really is a pleasure to to talk about something that we're living. Exactly. Exactly. So um, it's something that doesn't come up much in conversations, right? Do you find like very often that you're mentioning to people that you're in uh, Turkey and your wife is in the Philippines? Well, the assumption is uh, oftentimes when I mention my family is that they're with me. You know, ah. I guess people often make the, that first assumption and then I have to explain myself. And then, of course, there is some awkward moment where people think, oh, are they separated or are they divorced or, you know, some some element. There. <laughs> they assume so, that you're not getting on well. They think, oh, well, maybe maybe there's something there that I shouldn't be, you know, some alley that we shouldn't be walking down. Uh, but I have to reassure them, no, we're, you know, we're a functioning family. Well, this is what this podcast is all about. And the other day on social media, somebody put in a group that they were about to do split location. And another person went, I don't know any couple that's managed this and gotten out of it unscathed. And, you know, and I wrote back saying, well, actually, we've done it. And I know lots of couples who do it. And she said, well, just because it works for you doesn't mean it works for everybody, which which she has a point. I think there are some things that need to be put in place. But I love interviewing couples who are making it work. And what would you say you're making it work? Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, in fact, things have gotten better the longer. <laughs> it sounds kind of strange, but things have gotten better. We have adjusted to the distance, uh, I think, I think in, in healthy ways. And we, yeah, we're, we're, we're working as a family. So How, what would you say is the biggest advantage of doing it? Although the reasons why you did it that actually maybe even surprising silver linings that you hadn't thought about when you decided to do this? I would definitely say priorities. I think when we're together, there are certain assumptions uh, about marriage, whether it be a physical relationship or things, you start to realize how important these other aspects of your life are uh, with distance. 
when people separate, they sometimes find out how immature their relationship actually is. Um, or even separation, um, some some element of stress or some something that comes into your life that is unexpected that puts you suddenly in highlights, you know, your ability to, you know, to have to have fidelity in your marriage or to to know that, you know, it's a lasting relationship, those types of things. I think being apart can really highlight that. And, and to be invested in your relationship. Right. So at a deeper I mean, level. Yeah. And so uh-huh. just understanding uh, the priorities of the financial management of our home and our family, um, our kids' education and different things. Uh, yeah, they become front and center uh, and other things that can potentially be distracting elements uh, kind of fall away. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, you're saying like when we're under the same roof, maybe we make certain assumptions about how it's supposed to work. Maybe we take things for granted and we don't prioritize things that are also important just because we're under the same roof. And when we're at a distance, suddenly what you just mentioned comes to the forefront and you're like, oh, these are important. These are important. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Um, It it is kind of weird. I have better conversations with my daughter, for instance, several thousand miles apart. Uh, often because of the generation she's in, they are quite comfortable chatting on phones or expressing themselves through, you know, devices that gives them a, a safe distance. And so in a sense, some of that embarrassment or or just the noise of the household, you know, she can, in the quietness of the house, text me a message and t- tell me what's going on, where she wouldn't be able to do that if I was home. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, how have you not gotten disconnected because some so in this case you're the dad who's away Mm -hmm. and you know quite a few times dad will dads will say to me like well I've completely become disconnected to my children Mm -hmm. and then at other times other dads will say like you just said like oh I have a great relationship you know we chat and we talk so what what is it you think that makes the difference first of all I'd like to say I think it can always get better um I don't want to make it sound like we have a perfect relationship um, and certainly with my sons, there's a different dynamic where there's a long, long periods of time that go by. And it tends to be only when they really want something or need something that they contact me. Yeah. But so my daughter and I have a more, you know, we have a closer relationship uh, than I, mm. or more, re- how do I say it? Just, it's more relational. More back communication, yeah. maybe. More communication. Yeah. Um, but certainly... Uh, I think I have to be intentional about knowing what's going on. And there are so many people out there talking about how terrible social media is, and I'm not going to disagree with them. And that's certainly another discussion for another time, I'm sure. But social media has been a very key way for me to check in on my family. So everyone is connected. They're all posters, um, for instance, my son, uh, his partner, and my grandchild are constantly there. I see the kinds of things that are going on, um, the activity. So kind of the flow of the household is ever present through social media. And so, and we, of course, has our, have our own group chats. Everybody's in the group chat. Yeah. And my wife can yell at the kids about cleaning their rooms. And it's visible to me. And that really makes a difference. So, that is a very good point. Yeah, so 
in a sense, and this is very cultural for the Philippines as well, where I'm not directly related, but my stature or authority in the home is is supportive of what my wife is trying to accomplish. So if she really wants to enforce something in the house, she will, you know, message in the group. <laughs> and so I will know. And and this happens on the other side as well, where if my kids, you know, they oppose something uh, that my wife is is requesting, then they can quietly come to me and say, hey, dad, you know, mom, blah, 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 you know, or we really want this, you know. And so we can discuss it. And I'm already aware of where my wife stands before I even talk to her. So there's some yeah. elements there that really work well with yeah. chat groups. Yeah. So like, have you got something like, like some sort of routine set up or is it just um, organic it's, that because you're part of these chats, because you're, you know, you check up on them, you're kind of just every so often, you know, or oh, I, I want to just find out how things are going because you're organically part of the family. If you're one unit. It's really been organic. I think you really just have mm. to be interested in, in, and focused on um, a lot, a long time ago. So I've been doing this for six and a half years and early on, I really worried about being an absentee father. And yeah. that compelled me to not be, in a sense, to be plugged in and to kind of continually look into, you know, what my kids are doing, even if it's just in the background. You know, I don't I don't bother them. Um, like I said, I mean, my older sons, we don't really have a lot of conversation or communication unless it really matters. But they know you're there. Yeah. They know that if they need you, if they need advice, yeah. if they need to talk something through, they, they, they know you're there, which is different from an absentee Absolutely. father. Absolutely. And that's that's been the key is that when so we had an incident. So my oldest son uh, got his girlfriend pregnant. And the fact that I was overseas away from home, that my son could actually connect with me and pour out his disappointment with himself with his future and, and where he was going, I think really said a lot to me about where we were at, you know, in our relationship as, as a family, you know, as father and son, I really felt yeah. like, you know, if he felt safe enough to talk about that, yes, he did admit to me, there was a lot of fear involved. You know, he felt like, you know, I would get mm. extremely angry with him um, mm. in a way that was dismissive or, or not wanting him to be my son or, or things like that. But he still felt safe enough to talk about it with me. That's amazing. And I think that 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 stuff lasts over months. You know, I mean, we can go weeks at a time without necessarily chatting or talking. But those really key moments or those key components, I think, that I'm involved in uh, make a huge yeah. difference for them. So. Wow. So, but do you think that you put something in place? I mean, was it just because you were... How do you show them that you're present? Like leading up to to him sharing like a huge event or other, you know, your other children feeling safe to share with you. What is it that 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 they know that you're that you're present even though you're not physically there? What is it? Yeah, it's funny because suddenly I'm trying to recall exactly why my son felt safe enough to talk about that. I yeah. I initiate the conversation. And I use words that I think all children should hear. And that's, I love you. <laughs> I, I mean, I understand this is very disappointing to us all. Uh, we, it's, it's something that. It's life-changing events. It's a life-changing life event. 
However, it's yeah. happened and we all need to embrace it together. And of course, and and I don't remember if I, I told your audience or not, but the three children are not my own. So right. the three children are my adopted children. Uh, so my mm-hmm. oldest son and I met when he was nine. Um, okay. So for me, in a way, I think even more, I have tried to make sure that those three kids understand, especially from a cross-cultural Asian perspective, that they are very much, in my mind, my children, uh, yeah. because everyone else around them in their culture separate the two. They're like, no, this this is his child. These are not, you know. And for me, yeah. um, it seems to be very countercultural when I talk to people locally, you know, that know. I've never been married before. This is how I tell them. I've never been married before. So when I married my wife, these children came into my family. They are my first children. And so that's and kind of going back to the, the story about my son is that's the language I use. I say, you are my first son. You know, that will never change. And because of that yeah. relationship that we have, um, we love you and we're here to support you and work through, you know, a very disappointing situation. But we're not disappointed with our grandchild. We're not disappointed with him uh, or yeah. or the. Or... He just needed to work it out and figure yeah. out how to. Absolutely. And he needed help. And I, I just think it's beautiful that, you know, you he knew that he could say that. I mean, parents under the same roof, sometimes children won't come in and talk to them about this. So it's huge. Right. You're right. Um, that is something that. I started to realize too in my own life, extending from a relationship with kids to the relationship with my wife is that ironically enough, we have the potential of having a better relationship than millions of homes under the same roof. You know, being under the same roof does not guarantee you the things that we all identify as in a, a healthy marriage. Those, these are always things that we have to work on. And so I guess maybe yeah. it just becomes more obvious when you're apart. <laughs> it's, it yes. becomes more obvious. Um, and, and maybe that's good because it's not so deceiving. It's pretty straightforward. Yeah. Like, how does it work for your wife? Because she's parenting, like, what's the word? 24-7, as in, you know, she's doing the, the practical logistics and things like that. Do you support her in that respect? Or does she get help somewhere else? Or how, I mean, I, I you know, you can't maybe speak... For her, but you you you've had conversations right about this. In our minds, we know it would be better uh, in that respect if we were together. So when it comes to household management things, yeah, of course we've overcome a lot of those challenges. But you know, physical presence is is good for just you know being helpful around the house and and carrying out daily tasks and. Um, errands you know running errands or uh, handling you know load uh some of the workload for the household you know those things it would be or even disciplinary things of of getting help from our kids they're all old enough to to be helpful in the house yeah Uh, my wife has regularly hired house help um and we it's kind of a joke at this point because our house help always ends up getting fired so uh whether it's for stealing from our house oh. or just uh, just 
being lazy or not treating our kids well, or it's just, it's, it's a story that comes out in my book because our longest running and most successful house helper was actually a trans woman. And so okay. <laughs> it's a joke to us now that we're just like, yeah, we, it's really, uh, we really can't find uh long-term, you know, long-term help. I don't know if our family's just high maintenance or. Why is it a joke? Why is it oh, a no, joke it's that not, it's a trans it's, woman? It's not a woman? joke that it's a trans woman. It's a joke that we can't find house help. Um, and it's kind of a long running irony that our longest running successful house help was a trans woman, because I just know endless numbers of families that wouldn't touch, you know, wouldn't ever, ever hand, wouldn't accept. That wouldn't accept uh, someone who was We find it quite ironic that, you know, Tony was Mm -hmm. our our longest running house help and, um, and, and treated her. And the, the thing, I think the dynamic uh, with with Tony was that she treated our kids well, our family well. And the reason yeah. why I tell that story in my book, especially is because there's a stigma on trans people that they're somehow dangerous and dangerous yeah. to kids. And so I, I think that story is very powerful in the sense that, you know, you really, you can't just you say, can't make oh, assumptions like uh, that. No, just you hire a woman, they're going to treat your kids well, because they're a woman, you know, you can't Mm -hmm. necessarily make those assumptions um, at all. And that's, that's the case. So unfortunately, right now, my wife is handling the house on her own. And it is stressful. Um, We don't have uh, infrastructure that makes white clothes white in the Philippines. Okay, very hard to describe. So white clothes have to be washed by hand oh so she's doing it by so my, hand she's my doing, wife oh, is actually washing um we have uh the wife of her brother is doing the colored clothes you know okay. handling you know the easier portion but my wife has to go back to hand washing clothes um because uh, we don't have anyone else to do it so anyway yeah there there's there's a lot going on there um, she shares some, you know, grandmother duties, um, you know, uh, with her counterpart, uh, you know, Jill, the mother of our granddaughter, her mother. So back and forth. So every once in a yeah. while, my wife will be taking care of. So there's a lot going on and it would be much better if we were together in that respect. And I feel for my wife, mm. actually, it actually compels me to work much harder. You know, I, I feel like yeah. if I have a moment where I'm thinking, you know, I really, I really don't have to work so hard. I just think of her, <laughs> just automatically suddenly think of her back there dealing with working the, hard, the constant nag of the kids, the, the constant dirtying house, you know, the, all those things, you know, the, yeah, the all the things to, she's managing, huh? kind of inject the energy that our family needs to sustain a healthy home so yeah 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 yeah, for sure what would you say to people like starting out maybe a couple who's thinking you know what um there's this job it's in another country and let's say it's a man and a wife a husband and a wife and it's the husband it's still 80 percent the husband i think this who's the one who would go mm-hmm. so what would you say to a couple husband and wife and they're thinking about this and they're like yeah our children are still a bit young mm. but they have reasons 
Yeah. Um, for us, having family around is really important. Um, that's why we've kept my family in the Philippines, even. Um, I think we would have a harder time together abroad, overseas. Okay. Um, managing things that suddenly obstacles for the kids in a cross-cultural environment, all these things. There are so many things that we don't have to deal with by leaving our family in the Philippines because that's yeah. where they grew up. That's yeah. that's been their home. They speak the language. They can connect easily. They can find things easily. Um, Your wife is from there, so yeah. she has family, right? So they have grown up in that. So where my kids were born and were raised um, is not even a kilometer away. So this is a neighborhood they've known their whole life. Um, and that's extremely helpful in one regard. And there's a downside on another end. So it really depends. Sometimes it's better to move your family. If you feel that, you know, the neighborhood you live in or you have relatives that are toxic or, you know. Yeah. Or you want them to live an adventure that you, right. you know, you want to. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's different reasons. And there's mm -hmm. different reasons to move or if it's financially viable, are there schools, you know, are, is your job providing the money for, you know, adequate international education? You know, these are all the things, these are none of options, none of the above options for us. And, and so it's some of the negatives, you know, the positives certainly outweigh the negatives for us uh, to do that because I'm extremely mobile. Um, I can work, from sunup to sundown uh, without worrying about my family. And yeah. that is that for this stage of our life, that's an important, that's important for us. Yeah. Uh, that's important for us as we look at our goals uh, down the road. And so I think for, if you have young children, if you're a new family starting out, um, do you have supportive family would be my first question. Do you have reliable family? Could you leave those young you know, children with an aunt, with a mother, and you, you wouldn't worry about them, you know? Yeah. Um, that would be something that to consider, I think. Yeah. Uh, so sure. if, the, if, if say the mom stays with the children, is it because she's staying closer to families, closer to support network, right. which would allow the, the husband to then move to another country? And what I have seen is like a mom who stayed you know, more than one moms who stay in one place with the kids. And, you know, by the time the dad has done a first job, they're mm -hmm. already moving somewhere else. And you're like, well, I mean, and maybe that time was super short. And you're like, well, actually, that would have been a really big turnaround, quick turnaround for our family. So it is pretty good that we were staying in one place, then that allows the person who's away to to have a quicker turnaround wherever they are right. staying, which also, which, yeah. which, which is an advantage, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's, there's different. So yeah, if a husband's job is, is, is location less than a year or about a year long, you know, and then moves, you know, so it depends on the job as well. I know for military families, three or four years it can be the max which isn't so bad i guess yeah um yeah. but certainly deployments for six to nine to ten i'm i'm on a 10 month you know i'm on a 10 month tour and then i go home that's what i was going to ask you like how often do you go back 
when I was working in Korea, I would take flights because of course, Korea is only about a four and a half hour flight. So I could, I could take uh, maybe three or four flights a year and go home, you know, to visit home and bring gifts or, or do, do whatever. So maybe two um, to three to months a, or something. Go to a wedding, you know, attend mm-hmm. weddings and, and things. Um, but when COVID hit, I was stuck in Korea for two and a half years. And my only opportunity to leave Korea, I had to use because my mother had gotten COVID and we weren't sure if she was going to make it. So my wife was like, yeah, of course. And that was really helpful having an Asian family in that regard. My mother is, is potentially dying and apologizing to me that I was not flying home to see my family. And I'm just like, you know, my wife is just like, no way, you know, <laughs> like you need to go it, see your if it mom. Was the, yeah. If it was the other way around, uh, we we both knew we would do the same. And so that was extremely helpful to have her support in that regard uh, to go home and see uh, my, my mother. Um, two and a half years, you didn't see your mom, your, your oh, no. wife. Right. So I didn't see my family for two and a half years through COVID. Yeah. What was it like when you saw them afterwards? Did, did the kids, it feel... <laughs> kids were you know it's like you're going to hug kids that you know well social media changes everything I mean you know how big your kids are because they because you see lots of pictures of them but physically you know they're a different size they got different voices um you know my my daughter's a, a little lady now um you know so just things like that just um it wasn't as hard as I thought it wasn't as much of a a feeling that I was landing on another planet that I thought it would be I thought you know you come you've been away for that long and you're sitting on the plane and you're just like you know what is this going to be like is it going to be a lot of tears or is it going to be really emotional and it really it it didn't really feel like I had been gone as long actually just felt like you were part of that's it we're we're together again but we were always together kind of thing it was it was that you know we we've been in contact we've been we've we're we know what's going on you know it's 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 very different now i think Mm. with technology technology really does give us um the opportunity to do things that we that i know couples have never had yeah. Uh, before so just seeing each other on screen can make a difference right calls instant calls that are a video calls you know my wife and i um we don't have any dedicated regimes it's all organic for the most part you know and my wife's very busy so i i don't insist just, on having her attention <laughs> I think that's, you just text all whatever and then it just goes well back we and greet each other she she wakes up earlier because of course of the six hour difference so about two in the morning you know she for me it's two in the morning she will greet me um then when i wake up i'll greet her and then sometimes we'll have a conversation if she's free uh, but some most of the time she's already started her day so she's busy um but yeah, I mean, we greet each other every day. So um, that's... But then a longer conversation will happen just if you if someone needs to talk. Yeah, they, they really are not planned. And I don't know how other couples may do it. They may plan, oh, hey, it's our once a week conversation. And I just, just never been the relationship my wife and I. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's always yeah. been, oh, you know what? That was really nice. We talked for almost an hour. That was amazing. And and that was really good. And, and then we'll move on and, and continue. <laughs> yeah. No, that's fine. Um, 
So one thing we haven't mentioned is that you did not grow up in the U.S., did you? Oh, that's right. No, I didn't. Um, I am. I'm an MK. I'm a, a missionary kid. I'm a TCK. Um, my parents took my sister and I halfway around the world to Thailand uh, when I was seven, and I grew up in Chiang Mai, Thailand. Um, my parents ran a school there. Uh, so yeah, I've grown up cross-culturally and I have grown up in transition. I have grown up mobile. Um, and that is something, that is a component that I think is important to mention because I'm sure a lot of people you deal with are simply expats and, you know, they've decided to move abroad because of the job or or different things. And there's much bigger adjustments, I think, for them than there might be for me. And, right. For someone who's kind of done it as a yeah. child. Yeah. So that made our decision easy to say, hey, the non-TCK, my wife, and uh, I argue my better half. I mean, yeah. just the better, more <laughs> functional one. <laughs> anyway, uh, you know, to do the tougher job and that's to stay home with the kids. Um, yeah. And and I I deal with the this, you know, the, yeah. the barrage of of not knowing the language, of having to adjust to new food and 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 all of that. And because I'm used to it, you know, and um I have built a relationship with people locally everywhere I've gone. Um just have an endless number of people. But I say that all, but I couldn't do that if I didn't have my family in the background. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. I yeah, mean, you know that that's I'm not supportive. a floating nomad, uh, mm. you know, just experiencing life abroad. It's not, there is some very, you know, tacit, very tangible purpose to to what I'm doing. And it really speeds up the process sometimes of just finding work. Uh, yeah. Making the connections that are necessary for me to survive and to carry out my mission here so yeah. that I can send the money back and we can yeah. get things going there. And there. Yeah. It's a family project, isn't it? It is. We call ourselves a team. Um, and, and when my wife and I are kind of working out details about what's next, you know, we're, we always kind of have this, you know, little inside joke about, you know, being teammates, giving each other high fives yeah, you know, as we move forward in life, you know, she she works as well, so she's not just a homemaker; she's a comedian. <laughs> yeah, I tell people nice. that. It's like what? Nice. I'm yeah. like, uh, oh, I want to see her now. Yes, <laughs> that's my reaction. <laughs> of course, and that's that's my goal is to get everyone to just want to meet her. And she's a comedian. She's very funny, and she's um, a show host. So she makes most of her money uh, making rich people laugh basically uh at so she makes shows okay well at weddings uh birthdays uh in the uh, philippines that is kind of the format of gathering okay. and events um it's, it's it's kind of different uh well it's similar to a lot of other uh i know it's popular in countries around them as well where you will okay. always hi- hire a professional co- uh host. show host to entertain your guests um it's very very common Okay. And so that's what she does. Um, she's self-employed. and So she's a busy woman. Well, she's very busy because she is, arguably, she is number one in the region. So right. she has wow. no so trouble finding popular. gigs. Yeah. yeah. 
Yes, indeed. Where were we going before this? Oh, yes, um, that you're a team. That you're a team. We are a team. <clears throat> you, is this like a like a? Have you got an end date to split location, or is this something that a lifestyle that you're, you know, that you don't necessarily have an end date to, but you'll stop when it's time? Yeah, you know, one of the best advice I ever received, and if you know anything about the Philippines, um, they have one of the most transient cultures in the world. So one in four Filipinos is working abroad mm. as migrant, typically migrant uh, laborer, but also expats uh, as, um, you know, mid-level management and or have worked their way into, you know, um, one of the melting pots in the world, Canada, the United States, Australia, different places. And I had a friend of mine say to me, you know, Mike, never get too comfortable being apart, you know, and I didn't really understand him in a sense, because it's like, well, you know, we, you know, we shouldn't be uh, torturing ourselves <laughs> for being apart. We have to make it work. But I started to figure out what he meant over time. And that's that, you know, don't don't grow too comfortable with the luxury of being apart. In other words, there are some tangible reasons why it's great to be physically together. Yeah. And it is something to cherish. Um, and it's something that, yeah, families that get tired of each other, you know, because they are together, take for granted. But it, it's a component that's important. And my wife and I, continually remind each other that we will grow old together um and that's kind of one of our loving things to say in the moment is you know hey you know we'll grow old together or if if we're dealing with a tough time uh or challenges you know we remind each other that hey we're we're gonna grow old together we'll we'll make it through here so we don't have an end date per se because our separation is based mainly on economics we have decided that of course if a door opens that is suitable to get us from point a to point b then we're going to take it yeah and and that's what this fellowship has been so after covid19 i you know i finished my job in korea i had already been selected to be a fellow in the english language program for the u.s department of state a very prestigious program and so i was i had my homecoming after two and a half years was with my family for two months. And then we just looked at 10 months and thought, well, what's 10 months? You know, <laughs> it's it's not very long. <laughs> so I did my 10 months and then I, I was home uh, for two months. And then it was like, well, what's, you know, they're, they're asking me to do it one more time. And my book hadn't been finished yet and other things that we just felt like, hey, you know what? Uh, I'll do the fellowship one more time before I start seriously looking for the next step. Yeah. So, so you're taking it one block at a time. So we're taking it one block at a time. Uh, yeah. We don't, we don't, we've even toyed when we were together in August, we were even toying with the idea of me staying in the Philippines with my kids and my wife going and experiencing the United States. She wants to make money. She wants to build her mother a home. She has goals and yeah. I support her goals 100%. Yeah. And I kind of think that's what marriage is about. I think it's a, about you know supporting each other and recognizing the importance of each other's goals uh whatever yeah. they might be and negotiating that and so yeah i mean we having successfully accomplished this and and being happily married still <laughs> kind of gives us you know courage to even look further into other options you know 
where yeah. I would know if my wife went home, she could stay with my parents. She can take care of my parents, my aging yeah. parents. Yeah, I can help with uh, the current domestic situation. Yeah. Um, and and have my turn kind of yeah. <laughs> in the fire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's just it's it's it's, it's seeing what's coming. What yeah. it's the variables change so much in this life. Yeah that uh then you it's just about adapting to but I, I was just curious whether you would say you know let's put a, an end date to it or this is more like a a situation where we're we're looking what? at what comes up and and what and and how we what the configuration will be depending on what what you know, the situation is um i mean you look around in the world and you see a lot of people who have much more difficult situations than I do, you know, mm. uh, than I, I can ever even dream of. And so, you know, I mean, I'm a person of faith. And so I'm certainly praying for that. I'm asking, you know, could the universe put us back in the same place? Um, yeah. So let's yeah. just, I'll just want to make that clear that you would like I, to be together. I would absolutely love to be together, but mm we got married and this is our family situation. This is our life. This is what, you know, we have. Um, and we have to kind of take one step at a time and yeah. figure it out. And, and there's a lot of details kind of left out here with the adoption of my three kids. Um, the fact that they can't leave the country because of paperwork issues that have lasted all the way through COVID. There's a lot going on also yeah, uh, yeah, that yeah. is connected to, um, our decision to to do it this way uh that i i haven't really mentioned yet so and then of course em emigrating to the united states as a family you know that to have two sons over 18 uh, they are no longer eligible for automatic uh visas uh or green cards in the united states so they would have to be put on a waiting list um they are prioritized but they're still now quota quota visa uh, holders so there's no guarantees of actually bringing everybody over to the United States. And my family's hung together for as long as they've all been alive. Um, yeah. So to separate them at this stage is, is it's not, not an option. It's not necessarily a great no. idea. Um, as, no. as, as shining of a hill as America sounds to a lot of people, they don't understand some of the in intricacies of, of family separation. And, yeah. and if we don't have to do that, you know, it's, 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 you know, I mean, there are, are families moving because they don't feel safe or because, you know, they can't find work or they're trying to make a better life for their family. So they're willing to separate. And so we're not any different. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we will do, yeah. we'll do some of that. And I've been the one who's chosen to do that so far. Yeah. Yeah. You know, thank you so much for sharing from your life and your personal life and your personal relationships. Mm -hmm. um, I am looking forward to reading your book. Yes. It's a memoir, right? It is. So it... you're going to be talking a bit about your journey in different places, I suppose, right? Yeah. So the book sounds like a self-help nonfiction, you know, how, how do we love and relate in a polarized world? And and so people probably looking for that answer may be, you know, they, they might be surprised to know that this is a memoir, but it is written in chapters based on our most polarizing issues. So it's organized into different 
parts of my life where I've interacted with different kinds of people and the significance of the relationship I had with those people and what they, what it means to me now. And uh, basically indirectly answering the question that yes, indeed uh, we can love and relate um, with people who do, do not sound, look or think like us. And I think that's an important message uh, that the world needs today, but it is based on, my experiences living all over the world, being in cross-cultural relationship, of course, uh, being the capstone of the book. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> but um, just the richness that I've experienced having different people in my life that don't think or or sound or look like me. So. Mm. Well, again, thank you so much for sharing from your long-distance relationship and how you guys manage this um setup yes and um i encourage people to go uh -huh. listen to your podcast as well i think that's a great question where are you from uh looking at people who i suppose are cross-cultural yeah. have moved around have lived in different places and how they've experienced it and what they've learned so thank you so much no you're so welcome no it really has been a pleasure of course i wrote a thank you um it's 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 always enjoyable to talk to you. So. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. I hope that you found this episode encouraging and that maybe you found ideas to apply in your own situation. Please leave me a review of what you found helpful, what you would like to hear about, and any other comments you would like to leave. This helps other people find this podcast, and it also gives me feedback. So it's very helpful. Thank you very much. And until next time. <laughs>